All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Good evening, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And we are here today to talk about the weirdest, wackiest Christmas movie I think I've ever seen. This movie is something, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird, <laughs> wacky. It's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of all of it. And we are going to be talking about Anna and the Apocalypse, a movie that is that rare trinity of Christmas movie, horror movie, and musical. So it's got a little bit of everything. And yeah, man, it's wild. It really is. I, I think that this is the most niche movie that we've covered here. I think it's probably the most niche movie we're ever going to cover. I think so. Uh, because I think the only one that comes close is rocky horror picture show but it, it has such a cult following that like you can barely call it niche right you know, like maybe it was back in the 70s but it isn't anymore uh because like you said this is it's a horror comedy right zombies mm -hmm. but it's also a musical yeah and it's also a christmas movie like this is the like who is the target audience I, I, yeah. ha I have I have to think about this. Um, I, I watched this one with uh, my sister, Lisa, uh, guest on the show. Uh, and she uh, she and I turned to each other like maybe five minutes into this moment. We said. Us two sitting in this room right now. These are the only two people that we can think of that they thought of. Right. When they said, let's make this movie. Yeah, this movie. All right, to, to accurately describe uh, this movie, I need you to imagine that Shaun of the Dead mm -hmm. uh, took La La Land out to dinner. <laughs> and after a couple drinks, there was a little bit of an unholy union there. And the baby that was born on Christmas Day was Anna and the Apocalypse. Because there's there's no other way to describe this because it's it's not just a musical in the fact that I mean it's it's a, it's a, it's an actual musical with song and dance yeah. numbers. It's not just there are great songs playing, mm -hmm. uh, which happens a lot. No, no, no. This is this is a musical in the fact that the the characters are singing and dancing and it is choreographed mm -hmm. and it's just it's it's wild. The way this whole thing came together, as I was watching it, I was about, you had texted me when you watched it the day before me, and you were like, this is a very niche movie, I am that audience. So I'm watching yeah. it last night, <laughs> and I get like 15 minutes in, and I, man, there is a very, there is a pinpoint where the 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 Venn diagrams included in this movie overlap. And yeah. I mean, they threaded the needle with this movie, man. They, they really did. So I, I can't imagine how many people I know would 
one want to see this movie because right. you know what it is right from the beginning. I remember seeing the trailer for this back in 2018, I think it was, and thinking this looks weird and like my kind of weird. You know, like some right. people are really into John Waters. Um, yeah, and and I like am. that's and yeah, I mean, you know, because you're a man of taste. Um, <laughs> and 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 then like some people are really into Quentin Tarantino. Like they really found like a, a an audience for this. Uh, the thing is, the audience is probably like a, it can probably fit in my house. Right, my house, my house isn't very big, you know. So um, the thing is, I think it works really, really well. Yeah, for what it is. Yeah, man, I can't disagree. It's uh, you know, when you when you look at this and 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 everything that we're talking about is like outside of the like you know it's the the subgenre of zombie film within horror. Okay, those mm -hmm. two things go together, but then everything else it's it's all you know that that space where Christmas movies and and horror movies overlap. That's big. That spot where horror movies and musical intersect is even lower. Yeah. And and so it's it's so bizarre to talk about what seem like so drastically different genres and that this movie blends them all and it does it pretty seamlessly. I yeah. was I never felt like anything was super shoehorned in. There were some great moments that reminded you that it was horror comedy. You know, they were but they also in a very Shaun of the Dead-esque way they balanced all of the horror comedy with some genuinely touching moments, some stuff that mm -hmm. would fit into any zombie movie, no matter how serious it is. There are scenes from this that fit right into any Dawn of the Dead, uh, you know, Night of the Living Dead, all of those things. There are scenes in this that you slide right in there and, and, and they, they make sense in those situations too. But then there's also a group of high school kids, you know, pounding on uh, on lunchroom tables, singing about no Hollywood endings. It's, yeah, it's so weird, and yet it all worked. It, it all it all made sense. It all fit together. I I believed that it was that it was a well made movie. I didn't feel like it was just some something that somebody threw together on a dare. It felt right. like it was. <laughs> done purposefully and and great the the thing about this is that movies like this are made so infrequently because it's it's clearly a passion project right this is something that someone had wanted to make for a long long time and the problem with movies like that is that so often you can't secure funding for them right and so they're made on shoestring budgets and 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 then they don't end up being very good uh, unfortunately, but this really made use of just about every dollar that that they had because special effects were pretty good. Uh, the acting now, I, I was not familiar with any of these actors, but I thought they did a pretty good job for 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 what it was. You know, right. they were they were campy enough when they needed to be and cheesy enough when they needed to be. And um, I I thought it was good. Yeah, it's it's strange to watch this movie, and I, I don't think it's strange to enjoy it as much as I did. But it was strange, kind of the roller coaster of emotions that it took us on, you know. Because mm -hmm. as as we get into looking at the story here, um, 
you know, it, it's horror, it's comedy, it's musical, it's holiday. I mean, this the, what, what we've what we have uh, what we have deemed the libretto, which is a musical a musical theater term that Dave just taught me. And uh, it's I mean, so we're saying that we like it, but what what makes it work for you? Um, so I, I think that the, the story itself is one that could fit into any zombie horror movie. Um, you know, take out the, uh, the house in the middle of nowhere that you have in night of the living dead and make it a high school, uh, take out the mall from dawn of the dead and make it a high school. Take out the military complex from Day of the Dead and make it a high school. And I think that you have a very, very similar movie. You have people who are trying to live their lives as best they can. And it's really about them. It's not about the the zombies. And I think that that's where, where zombie movies often go wrong is that they focus so much on the zombie. Like, why are they a zombie? How do we cure the zombie? Right. It doesn't fucking matter. Because in the end, as we've discussed, like, ad nauseum on the show, uh, a movie monster is not really about that monster. The movie monster is about us. And and that's what this movie is really about. It's about a group of people learning to live together, whether it's the daughter and the father who have had a strained relationship since the mom died, whether it's the uh, the best friends where one friend wants something a little more out of the relationship than the other, whether it's the daughter whose parents don't really seem to to care too much about her, like whatever that relationship is, that's always at the focal point of that scene. Right. It's never about like the zombies about to get you. The only reason why we care is because we care about these people. Because we want them to survive. And and so uh, although the story is good, it's good because the characters are well written. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the kind of thing where like the story makes enough sense because they never really tell you why it is that the dead have risen. Nope. Um, and I'm OK with that. And they never uh, really address how it is that they turn into zombies is that when they die at all. You know, like uh, like in Night of the Living Dead and and, and Day of the Dead, or, or, or is it that, you know, they must get bitten? Mm-hmm. What are the rules? They never establish them because it doesn't really matter. Right. You're never really too concerned about zombies. You're concerned about where these people are going to end up. And one, one of the things that I loved about this movie is that um, the, uh, the, the, the main character, Anna, has this idea that she's going to travel Australia when she graduates from high school and like halfway through the movie as, as she and her, uh, her best friend, John are talking about the state of the world. He says, well, one good thing came out of this, like you and you're not going to leave me. Right. You're not going to go travel Australia. And she kind of looks at him like, well, why can't I, you know? So like the, the problems that people have persist, even though the world is falling around uh, uh, around them, 
Right. And, and, and to me, that's, that's why this movie works so well uh, because the songs played into their lives. It wasn't like this stark break where it was like, okay. um, And now's the time on, you know, and now's the time on sprockets when we dance, you know, it it, it wasn't that the, 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 for your little nineties SNL there for you. Um, it, It was always a seamless transition from dialogue to song and back into it and the characters behaved as if like movies and 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 zombie movies are real right within their world which is always really interesting to me when when that happens because so often characters behave like they have never ever once heard of someone wielding a knife right you know it's like oh my god what do we do well you just fucking shoot the guy you know (laughs) that's it done um so the characters are smart. They have good ideas. And, and, and I think that that's really what drives this, this movie is that like these characters remind us of ourselves and, and the problems that we have, like I have problems with my parents um, and it doesn't stop me from loving my parents or them from loving me, right. but there's, there's strained relationships. Uh, same with friends. You know, I remember having uh, a, a friend that I wanted to have more than just a friendship with and it never developing past that point and feeling like that guy, you know, feeling like John, right. where it was like, why can't this go on? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just, like he says, I'm discovering that the nice guy uh, does finish last. Right. Yeah. It's, it's what's, what's remarkable about the story of this movie is the reason that it works so well is because they didn't try to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. It, it's always it's it's always interesting, you know. As, as I listen back to our episodes, sometimes, um, yes, I listen to my own work. I guess it makes me, you know, just super narcissistic. But whatever. As I listen back to the stuff that we do, it's always funny how there are times when it's the right thing to do to reinvent the wheel to come up with something new, to take an idea that somebody has touched on and completely flip it and spin it around. There are times when you do that and it works really, really well. Final Girls Mm -hmm. was a movie that did that very well. And we praised it for doing that very well. But there are also times when you take a movie and you take a, a genre stereotype and you realize that Stereotypes exist for a reason often in movies, Mm -hmm. and that's because of exactly what you said. When it comes to the zombie movie, the story doesn't need to be about why the zombies are there. We Mm -hmm. don't need people who are, you know, gathering ingredients for the cure or anything like that. What we need is a movie that makes us care about the survival of the people that we're watching. So what we get here is a group that a group of friends that we see they're all hanging out together they get separated and it's the classic zombie movie trope of we've got to get to our friends we've got to get to our parents we've got to get to safety and that's it it's what made 28 days later work there Mm -hmm. wasn't you know there, there wasn't some there was a brief little thing at the beginning of 28 days later, like, Oh look, PETA set these monkeys free and now we're all dying. (laughs) Right. In this one, we got in just the truest, greatest zombie trope of all time. We get a radio broadcast at the very beginning talking about the virus, but then the movie makes us immediately aware of the fact that the virus doesn't matter because Anna turns the radio off. It's a brilliant choice to have that happen yes it because they're they're telling us hey don't care yeah because we don't care so why do you 
there's yeah, yeah there's zombies now deal with it like that's <laughs> and 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 that's that's all you need to know it's and, and it's it's what you know uh when when hell is full the dead will walk the earth okay cool everybody who dies turns into a zombie let's go let's make a movie now right and, and they did it was it was so smart to have her hear that radio broadcast and not care and just flip it off because that's how they told the audience this isn't the part of the movie that's important. Turn that off and listen to the fact that this dad and this daughter have a strained relationship. Listen to the fact that obviously John is into Anna and it's and it's one-sided. Pay attention to these things. Don't worry about why the zombies are there. They're a plot device. Yeah. And and it's it's great when you just establish that immediately, because if you decide to try to do something new, then exactly what you were saying, you've got to write your own rules and stick to them. They just said, all right, you guys know what zombies are, right? Cool. You heard him say reanimate. All right, we're good. Now we're going to follow classic zombie rules. And, and like they, at one point uh, when they're fighting in the bowling alley, what do I do? It's just like in the movies. Destroy yeah. the brain. Right. And so. And so that's what they do. And suddenly we aren't, you know, where the zombies aren't, they're scary, but it's not the terror of the zombies that keeps you on edge. You're you're always wondering, is she going to get back to her dad on time? Mm -hmm. Is Chris going to get back to Gran on time? These are the things that, that make you want to keep watching. It's, uh, it's exactly what uh, the walking dead eventually started doing wrong. The Walking yes. Dead started as a show about people surviving. And then when they tried to make it more and they and they tried to just do all of this other stuff and they're they're cramming in trying to find cures and they're cramming in all this, you know, societal stuff. And it just it, it just went, once it stops becoming about just survival of a couple of people, then you've got way too many moving parts. Yeah. The you know the other thing about this movie that that works really well story wise is the other thing that a zombie movie always needs to do well regardless of whether or not George Romero says it was unintentional with Night of the Living Dead and that's you've got the the social commentary as as yeah. light as it may be as as just kind of a quick brush stroke as you may have it there's a moment in this movie where they're in the bowling alley and they're pulling up the computer and they they search for the hashtag evac selfie. And it's all these people like posing for selfies in front of zombies that are stuck behind the gate. And Steph is just scrolling through all these pictures and goes, yeah, we deserve to go extinct. You know, like, and like that, yeah. that one little brief bit, it's like, okay, yeah, look at this. Look at how stupid people would actually be. All right, cool. There's your little bit of social commentary. Check that box. But they didn't try to drive it home. Cause that's not what this movie was trying to do. It wanted us to worry whether or not they were going to make it not just because we wanted them to live but because we wanted to see them see them reunited with their loved ones oh and dave's coughing yeah sorry about right that. on cue G getting over a cold <clears throat> um and i think that that's part of and we'll, we'll get into um actually i did not set up a how christmasy this was no so let's um, just go ahead and throw it in here with the, yeah with the, um, about the story i think that that is part of why this works so well as a christmas movie uh because i think that what's at the heart of 
90% or 95%. Um, I don't have a metric. I'm making it up <laughs> of all good Christmas movies is that it's ultimately about family. Yeah. It's about, you know, uniting with your family, reuniting with your family, you know, uh, getting over the, the bumps and bruises, you know, accepting them, you know, warts and all and, and, and coming together. It's why I can continue to watch planes, trains and automobiles past Thanksgiving. Love it. Uh, because th- it's it's such a great holiday movie, right? It's about family. It's about reunion. And that's what's at the core of this movie constantly. Yeah. With every character, there is a I must reunite with this person. Yep. And uh, what's, what's you know, it's fun. You talk about Christmas movies. It's also funny how just this idea of putting a movie at Christmas time gives it 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 makes that more important because if if you remove Mm -hmm. christmas from this it's it's still important that everybody get back to their families right but we all associate wanting to be with family at christmas time it's just funny how when you you take a movie that's that's not a good look i i I, as right before this podcast i just finished watching fred claus for the first time (laughs) fred claus is not a good movie y'all we're not going to review it on here because it's not a horror movie, but it is not a good movie. It is, however, a fine Christmas movie because <laughs> at the heart of it, it's about being with your family, right? right? So that that little touch, I think that taking this movie and this was the perfect genre of film, the zombie film, to put at Christmas time because of the fact that the idea of reuniting your family is what makes a zombie movie great and that's what makes a a christmas movie great when you look at all of the christmas movies that we love all of them all including of them, die hard including die hard are about strained familial relationships and Christmas being the perfect time to fix it, which is why Fred Claus kind of works, right? And, but I mean, when you look at Jingle All the Way, Gremlins, yeah. I mean, no matter where you go with all of it, it all boils down to Christmas being the perfect time to fix these problems with your family. And not just your blood family, but we, as we see with the characters of Anna and Nick, they the family are- you choose as well. Yeah, they're, they're repairing- a relationship between the two of them that was strained because of a breakup. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, there are still feelings there and, and, and there's a lot going on, but it just, I mean, it's the reason that Hallmark can turn out 14 of those things a year. And my Nana is going to watch <laughs> them nonstop yeah. because it's all the same story. But when you put it at the backdrop of Christmas, we just eat it up, and I, I'm I'm like I don't like the Hallmark Christmas movies, but I do love a Christmas movie because I love that element of it. Just that idea of this being the perfect time to fix those things, and the fact that Christmas is at the end of the year just adds that extra element to it. It's I think that if you took Christmas out of this movie, it would be fine, but yeah. I don't think that it would that I would have liked it as much as I did. As much as I do. Yeah. Um, the the Christmas element definitely, I think, helps support a lot of the thematic elements that are there. Um, you know, for, for all the reasons that, that, that you talked about. So it, it's it's almost like like it's working as an amplifier right. to an already great guitar. 
Um, you know, as as a as as a guitarist, I often you know think in guitar speak, um, right? Um, even when I shouldn't, you know. So it's like you you can you can play a shitty guitar and plug it into a, a good amp and 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 get a decent sound. Uh, and likewise, you can play a um, a good guitar and plug it into a shitty amp and um, not get as good a sound as you would before, but still get something kind of decent. Right. But when you got a great guitar and you plug it into a great amplifier, all that's going to happen is all of the great little nuances are going to come out. And that's that's what choosing the right setting for your movie is all about and and you know time of year is definitely one of those things you know there's a reason why when uh, the writer wants us to be sad they set it in rain yeah and uh, when change is coming they set it in the fall you know uh these things they're done for a reason and i think that choosing christmas was done purposefully and and with i think great effect yeah, I I 100% agree, man. I, I think that I I think that I I almost wonder if just the idea of a zombie musical comedy is where they started, and then the Christmas element kind of got added later because they realized that, like you said, that was going to be the right amp for this movie. It very well may have been. Um, what I do know is that what must have been on the very front of their minds from the very beginning was our cast of players here, um, yes. which um, uh, is in a section I'm calling the playbill. Um, as anyone who has been to a musical theater production uh, will be familiar with, uh, with the playbill, lots of great information in there. Big yellow block name of the play and yeah. And just plain text. Yeah. And you're uh, you're always happy for the person who's coming in as a substitute for the person who's just got a cold, uh, <laughs> but also kind of sad that you're not seeing the uh, the cast as intended. Um, so we have discussed that the the characters, the actors, really are the reason why this movie works so well because the story's the story's good, the story's there uh, thematically. There's a lot of things going on here that uh, that work. But it all boils down to these characters. So right. um, are there any characters that for you stood out, whether you love them or you hate them, uh, that you, you you keep thinking about now after yeah. having seen the movie? So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two, one that I love and one that I love to hate, right? So I'm going to start with okay. who I love, and that was Steph. I, yeah. I thought that Steph was an absolutely incredible character who, while she had the least familial relationship ties in the movie we get just enough information to understand why it why that is an important part of her character her parents are in mexico she was just dropped off at this you know like at this school and she's trying to get together with him for christmas and she can't and she's obviously the like the weird artsy kid mm -hmm. at her school she's really uh she's a, she's a reporter and she's trying to do this article about the homeless problem that they have. And uh, and it keeps getting shot down. But she is a character that we, we see a lot of development out of from just being kind of this hard nosed reporter chick at the beginning to somebody who you you eventually and, and the first time you see her with a group of friends, she still seems like she's odd man out. 
right? There's the girl right. and her best friend, and then there's the boyfriend and girlfriend, and then there's Steph. And she, so, she's also not a native right. to uh, to Northern England. It, I don't think it says where they're from, but they, they all have like a Northern English accent. Yeah, um, she's got an American accent, so she's she's not English. And she I mean, and she says like that her parents dropped her off or that her parents moved her to a new continent and uh, unloaded her as soon as they could and then and then left. Mm-hmm. And so. But she's just she's just this great hard edged chick, you know, with her with her cool short haircut and and <laughs> that I is mean, the she, cool girl haircut. Yeah, it really is yeah. right. And she's just and she's she's got a great voice. I mean, hell of a set of pipes on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and when we get to the songs, I'll talk about some of that. But she was I I thought that she was a really well developed character. Uh, uh, most of them were. But she was who drew my eye. She was who I was fascinated by. Who I was the most invested in surviving was Steph. Uh, so that was the one that I really loved. And then the one that I hate, but I love to hate him, you know, like in wrestling, we call him a heel, right? Just so yeah. good at being bad. It's Savage, man. Savage yeah. had this killer Johnny Rotten vibe. He did. Uh, you know, like, I mean, down to it. Didn't have great teeth. Uh, just... He and then when he finally gets his songs, I mean, it sounded like something off of a B side from uh, Nevermind the Bollocks, right? It was just, right. it was a guy who was obsessed with becoming the headmaster because all he wanted, uh, you know, all he wanted was power. That was it. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, and when he eventually can't have power over the students and the parents when the when the zombie horde starts moving into the school he becomes an all-out villain we eventually find out he's the one who opened the doors and let the zombies in because the people wouldn't listen to him they wanted to leave he blows the whistle to get the zombies attention and attract them to anna and her friends while he's hiding cowardly behind this grate in the the lunchroom he was such a good bad guy there would and what was what was really really great about Savage was there was never a redeeming moment for him. Ever. And yeah. and sometimes it's really nice when you have, especially in something like this that is so tropey, <laughs> that when you have a villain who just stays a villain. You know, there I was I was okay with never finding out that the re- that he had some sort of inferiority complex because his parents treated him awfully or whatever because he was never yeah. as good as his older brother. I, I was I was good with it. Like, Man, this dude's a dick. Like and, and and that just carried his character. And the the guy who played him did it so well. He obviously hated children. One of those one of those people who has yeah. just been in the educa- education system too long that they they don't care anything about kids and they actually dislike kids so much that the only thing they want to do is reach a position where they can punish kids which mm-hmm. is where he seemed to be and and it was it was nice that that he never stopped being that i never had to feel bad for anything that happened to him i was allowed to just hate him from the very first moment i saw him until that star sweeps him right off the stage yeah. and, and he gets eaten alive. So th- th- those were my two. What about you, man? Everything about him was fantastic because he starts off as like, you don't exactly know how to, 
how to read him because he's very right. soft spoken and he's very prim and proper. You know, the uh, remove your tongues yeah. line, you know, <laughs> um, from uh, it, it, the very beginning, like it, it, it's he seems almost like a like a Miss Hannigan from Annie. You know, okay, where, yeah. you know he's just like he's going to rule with an iron fist. But you don't know the length to which his uh, douchebaggery is going to go. <laughs> um, and and everything from like the way his hair is combed uh, to like the extreme right angles. Yeah. That his beard is cut. I don't know if you picked up on this, but like I'm um, I'm a fan of suits and the cut of his suit is a military cut. That I did not know. So yeah, like it's the the button stance is really high. The okay. the, the lapels are very you know small and you know they, they very um very severe. You know it, it's it's a very military cut. Had you put some stripes on it, right? You know and uh and 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 maybe some rope or something like that. Like you would have immediately recognized it as like oh that's the colonel. Okay. You know? uh, and 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 I think it really it's even green. You know, it's like it that, that that brownish green. I got this like he's he's running the asylum. He's running the institution. Very very um, Arlie Ermy. Yeah, very Arlie Ermy. Uh, so I, I I loved him. He he was definitely one of my favorite characters and everything about it. Um, you know, from from the way that he portrayed his his descent into madness because we all know people like him. Right. That like you know they they get a taste of authority a taste of power and they would rather be master of nothing than to be no master at all right and 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 that's that's him in a nutshell and particularly um as an educator you're an educator as well i think that we've seen this in people yep who work in schools where it's like um I will be an administrator, whether I'm qualified to be, whether I know what I'm doing, whether I have the best of intentions. Like, I just I want power. I want authority, even if it's in this tiny little area, you know, this this one little city block. Right. Where it where it like and it's only from like eight o'clock to two thirty. That's it. (laughs) Um, but I guess some people are so small and, pe- and feel so powerless that if they can't rule, then they have nothing. Right. And so I, I, I found his character to be incredibly deep and incredibly um, profound in uh, in what they were trying to, to do and say with him in the same way where a character like Rhodes is in, in Day of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I, I even got little hints of Rhodes when he uh, when he died, when he you know gets hit by the star and he swings out into the zombie audience. Right. Um, he he gets pulled apart and the shot that they use, like the camera angle and all that, it's very reminiscent of Rhodes getting pulled apart by the zombies. I, half ex- I didn't I, even think about that. I half right. expected him to say choke on him. so um he he was definitely one of them for me the uh the other person that i really really loved i mean 
Ella Hunt as Anna Shepard was fantastic. She was great. Amazing voice. Um, I didn't bother to look up her age. Um, let me see. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's super hot. Um, so I, <laughs> I, 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 I just got verification. She's super hot. Um, and uh, she's fantastic. But the one for me that uh, aside from uh, – from from the principal or assistant principal was uh malcolm coming as john yeah i so so much of my life i felt like him where i just no matter what i did it was never enough you know and when when, when i finally um like got lucky and got the girl um i felt like that was like the beginning of the second part of my life right and and so like i i sympathize with him because i've been there i've been that guy where i'm like i'm the nice guy and i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm always gonna take the high road and i'm always gonna do the right thing and um i i still feel that way sometimes where it's like i take the high road i do the right thing and yet i still feel like the the bad guy one and and so i i i understand that frustration but still never letting it get to you where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to stop being the nice guy. Right. Um, so I, I, I really liked his character because he, he, he really did, I think, embody that like nice guy. Yeah. He, it, it was, John was really interesting because he never, you know, a lot of times when you get these roles of the, the nice guy friend who, who wants the girl, it, it ends up, devolving into something where the dude just turns into a douche when he can't. Right. And they did a really good job with this where John, you know, eventually came to that realization and didn't let it affect how much he loved Anna. E even if, even if that was never going to go anywhere, even if the, the depth of his love was always going to be one sided, he was, he just kind of established kind of the opposite of, of what you were saying with, uh, with Savage where he, you know, mm -hmm. he's, he'd rather be the master of nothing than, than not, than not the master at all. He came to the understanding of, I would rather, you know, just, just be this girl's best friend. If that's what she wants me to be, mm -hmm. than dwell on the fact that I was hoping it was going to become something more. And they, they did a really good job with that. And that dude was a really, uh, what his name was, um, John, John Cumming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Cumming. Cumming. Malcolm Cumming. He was you know, like, he just, he had that. It's like that Hugh Grant face, right? Where it's uh -huh. real unassuming, but also it's like, I mean, he's not a bad looking guy. Like, of course he could get a girl, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and he just, he played that real, I don't know if dainty's the right word, just that kind of mousy dude role mm -hmm. real well. He 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 played that, you know, he he wanted to get, you know, he he tried he tried to puff out his chest when when Nick was when Nick was being a being Nick, really. Yeah. And you know, but immediately just kind of was like, yeah, no, that's not me. You know, we didn't we didn't have to see some sort of character development where suddenly he's a tough guy and he's and he's swinging on somebody else and all this which was and, which and was the, refreshing the thing is that i i think like he's physically more imposing than nick yeah uh because he was taller um more barrel chested 
and uh, I I think generally uh, in his life probably has a bit more swagger. Um, yeah, it, there was something about the way that he occasionally carried himself, where maybe like he forgot that, that he was supposed <laughs> to be that guy. Um, so f- for him to be able to portray that like more, you know, the the more meek, the the yeah. the, the the more um, like uh, demure guy, that t- to me um, that says something uh, about about his his acting ability. Yeah, and. Um, and- also kind of credit to the I mean to the the costuming department and things like that because they they dress them specifically to make you remember which role they were in. Right. Like I always I always uh I always joke about the fact that on the show Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. that they um as as the show developed and uh Bernadette Mosa Ranch, I think is her name, mm-hmm. as as she as she became a more consistent part of the cast they always seem to go out of their way to dress her frumpy just because mm-hmm. she was, they always wanted eyes on Kaylee Cuoco. Right. And it would have been real easy to take your eyes off of Kaylee Cuoco and put them on Melissa Raj if they yeah. had not dressed her that way. And I think that the same thing kind of happened here. It's like, oh, we're going to put this dude in just the dorkiest Christmas sweater. Right. And, and we're going to make sure it's bulky. Cause I think you're right. Like, I think, I think if, if we'd seen that dude in like a, like a slim cut t-shirt, I think it would have been like, hmm, uh, well, maybe you're making the wrong choice, Anna. Yeah, you 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 throw him in like a like a white t-shirt, jeans, and a leather jacket. And yeah. all of a sudden, you know, he's uh he's Not a for jet. supremacy right there. He's you know? a jet, yeah. yeah. He's he, he's a jet, and I don't fuck around with jets, <laughs> you know. Uh <laughs> that's so good. Uh, it's it's, yeah. it's it's only it's only enhanced by the fact that Nick was ethnic of some sort and he could very easily have been a shark. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, he's he, he's he's definitely got something there, you know, because he's he's got the blue eyes, but he's he's got that, you know, kind of like milk chocolate skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, um, yeah, there's like an olive skin tone there. Yeah, it, I mean he, he I am not a, a ashamed or afraid to say it. He's a gorgeous looking man. He is. Uh, yeah, he he caught my eye. I, I looked over at my sister and and I saw her looking at him, and I was like, okay, um, it, it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's, and speaking of Nick, kind of honorable mention to to him because mm-hmm. the the actor who who played Nick Ben Wiggins, he showed maybe the most breadth of character that yeah. we saw out of anybody. You know, the very first time that we see this guy, he just wants to hook up with Anna over Christmas break and we what just What a douchey introduction. Oh, I mean, it was God. it was it so... was kind of incredible. Yeah. The, the the level of douche that was there. Um like I can be a douchebag sometimes. Right. In and how incredibly bougie I can be. Like I'll say something and I don't even notice that, that it's, uh, it's like incredibly entitled sounding. Right. You know? Um, and I think I don't, I don't think I've ever said anything. Oh quite yeah. Like that. Yeah. Dude, that was just, I mean, that was, that was next level douche. And then the next thing we get is just him with the obscene, uh, cunnilingus, hand gestures if you will (laughs) from from across the cafeteria and it's like this dude oh my like you just you hated this dude yeah and then he shows up and he gets his great like it it was it was one of like it was one of the jockiest songs 
ever in like mm-hmm. a musical, right? Just this, uh, when, when, is it, when it comes to killing zombies on the top of my class, you know, yeah. like that whole thing, just, it was, and it was, it was, and, it, it was a Bon Jovi song, man. I mean, yes. it was, it was so fucking good. And, and so, and so we get this introduction and it's like, man, this dude ain't shit, but bravado and machismo. And, and he's just, he's so annoying. And then around the time when he loses his friends in the, in the Christmas tree farm, mm-hmm. you start to get a new, you start to get a new feel for him. And then the way that that actor delivered that little monologue about having to kill his dad, man. Yeah. And like when he's like, and he, there was something he, there and he gave me the bat and he said, you know, don't let me down for once. And it was like, and, and for where I was, as, as excited as I was about not getting any development out of Savage and just letting him be a jack off, like it was, it made the movie and this character that was such a great little addendum to this character of Nick, where now suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, okay, like I, I get it. And, and you know, it's any, not to that extent, but anybody with parents knows what it's like to let your parents down just once. And so to hear yeah. to hear that a dad said, you know, for once, don't let me down. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. And like- yet and that dude just he just kills that spot in the movie. And it was so, so good. I just it's it's amazing how well all these people that I've never heard of did such a great job in all of these roles really yeah and and to me there was i don't think it was a direct link back to it but there was a sense that like i'm i'm a i'm a big fan of um john hughes movies oh yeah because you're a man of taste thank you um i um i love pretty in pink and and th- there was I'm a, a sixteen sense- candles guy, but I get it. Um, oh d- no, I, 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 <laughs> admittedly so. Sixteen candles <laughs> is better than pretty. Oh okay, okay, okay. Um, but the reason why I'm going with with pretty and pink here is because a lot of people didn't like the ending where she ended up with Blaine instead of Ducky. Yeah, you know, and and it's the. It, in fact, John Hughes didn't like it either. Oh my uh, god, it, this movie is pretty and pink. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's the whole reason why he made some kind of wonderful, right? Because, uh, because he did agree with the audience, uh, and not the studio that she should have ended up with Ducky. And if you've ever seen the two movies back to back, they're pretty much the same movie, yeah. Um, except she ends up with the Ducky character in some kind of wonderful. I can't remember, uh, what he calls him in some kind of wonderful, yeah, I, yeah, I don't either. Um, but that's what this was, where it was like, listen, man, you're ducky, and unfortunately, you're not going to get the girl. Right. Blaine's going to get the girl. Um, but here I like how it's like they leave it kind of open. Yeah. Where there's this sense where I feel like they're almost happy that they feel like they're going to die together there before Steph comes in. And, you know, she's like, you know, get in, losers. We're going to the mall. It was like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, I, I love that scene where it's like, did you forget about me? Like I told you, I yeah. was going to go get the keys to my car. I'm here for you. It's speak, it's speaking of just scenes that fit into any zombie movie, just, just perfectly. 
man, that, yeah. that all is lost moment where that, that character that you haven't seen for a little bit that you kind of forgot about and don't know if they made it show up and save the day, dude. Yeah. Right there. That's that zombie movie one Oh one. Um, and it, it, as long as we're talking about zombie movie tropes, I would love to see more zombie zombies using the bathroom. <laughs> um, I, it's not a trope yet, but I would love for that to become a trope uh, because Steph getting peed on yes. by, by a granny zombie. Oh my God. Oh my was, God. Was... What a great fucking moment. And she's like, it's warm. <laughs> yes. So, so speaking of the zombies, I, I mean, in, in a, in a section that we're going to call, man, I, I shouldn't have picked even the grand. Guignol. I was surprised you did. Hey, Hey, you hey. got it. Yeah. Um, you know, you can call this movie a lot of things. You can call it theater of violence. You can you can call it a zombie musical. I mean, call it whatever you want. But I mean, is it is is the gore and the the zombie effects and the violence effective? Is it satisfactory? Did did you like what you saw? I really did like what I saw. Um, which I think is in becoming increasingly hard to find in modern horror. I feel like um, modern horror movies are either like not afraid to pull their punches, like right. an Ari Aster movie or something like that, or they're going to pull away before the money shot. Like the Candyman remake. Like the Candyman remake, exactly. Uh, where it's like, I came for the hardcore, but you edited for softcore. <laughs> and, um, and, and somewhere, you know, there was a disconnect and – um, and that's okay because you made a movie that you wanted to see, but I came to see a movie I wanted to see. Right. And fuck the money shots are here. You yeah. Know? Uh, I, I don't think that they, uh, that the movie is lousy with gore. Um, the way that some zombie movies are. Cause like Shaun of the dead is fucking gory. Yes. Uh, and, and so I think you can be funny and gory at the same time. Um, Return of the Living Dead, I think, is another perfect example of a zombie comedy where, um, like, it does not hold back on the violence. And I think that because the zombies were not the focus of this. Right. I was okay with the fact that the 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 gore and the violence and the, the zombie gooiness was there uh, occasionally. Yeah, uh, because it's it's not like it was happening all the time. Um, Nick's musical number, obviously, I mean, there's zombie gore galore. Uh, the the bowling alley scene, lots of zombie gore. There's lots of great zombie moments where, like, you see the zombie shuffling around in the teacher's lounge, which I thought was was a great pun for what a teacher's <laughs> lounge normally looks like. Because yes. uh, we're, we're all in there. We're shuffling around and like not one of them was holding a cup of coffee. And that's why they're zombies. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's 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 all that gets me through sometimes. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's it's the only thing that does. <laughs> the only thing that does. And um, and, and then the knowledge that I'm going to come home. And there's there's a little something else right uh, that that's waiting for me. So I um I I think that there was an appropriate amount of zombie violence here. 
um, definitely was not let down. The very first zombie kill with you know decapitating Frosty <laughs> with the was, seesaw with, with the seesaw. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant. It's really and then to see the head there, like with the goo coming out of it, <laughs> and, and he's just like, rawr, and rawr, Anna's it's, still in denial that it's even a zombie, and it's just a head that's sitting there, like gnashing its teeth and mumbling. And, and John's just like, but come on, it's a zombie. Look <laughs> at it, and she doesn't want to admit it. I mean, it's it, it's great. Um, I, I think most of the kills led to humorous moments, which for a zombie comedy, that's what you want. Um, and, and, and I, I loved it. I, I yeah. loved what was there. I, uh, I was, I was not disappointed in this because there was, there was an equal amount of realistic zombie kills, things that were just really gross, savage getting gutted. Oh, yeah. at the end like once he hits the floor i mean they did a great job of keeping you were we were talking about the using every dime just perfectly the camera's far enough away that he and he's in the middle of this huge scene going on mm -hmm. so we can't nitpick and you know compare it to to somebody getting pulled in half in in day of the dead right. but it, it, it's it's center screen and big enough that you can see the big open cavity in his stomach and you can mm -hmm. see all the entrails coming out and that stuff. I mean, that was, that was incredible. The bites were all very yeah. realistic. I did really like whenever somebody got bit, it was never, it was never this idea of some sort of ravenous zombie just tearing into their flesh. It was like, Oh, there's flesh in my mouth now. So I should bite, <laughs> you know, you get that, that great moment where John just is spreading his hands yeah. out, walking backwards and his hand literally just lands in a zombie's mouth. So it bites. And, and he, and you know, you get, you get him pulling away. There's not much there, but then man, when they did go for it, the double bowling ball smash. Ooh, that might be the kill of the week, yes. as it were. Yeah. Yes, double bowling ball smash. The head, like the hole blows perfectly out of the back of this guy's head. That one was so good. And I I love that they they kind of played fast and loose with, with how much head trauma you had to do to kill him. You yeah. know, and and some of them kind, you know, uh uh, Steph taking the spatula and jamming it up through the guy. And then it's like, Oh, he's dead. But then he comes back. It's like, ah, she must've missed his brain. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, you get, but then there are times when you get the, the quantity over quality, like Nick and his, uh, minions, um, when they, right. when they finally got their moment to shine. Right. And this, this is what they were born to do. Mm -hmm. And, and they're just what he's got like a pipe, and a baseball bat at one point there's the dude yeah. who just smashes the watermelon and they do a great job <laughs> the watermelon just splashes the watermelon back in sprays his face. over his face yes we don't <laughs> actually see how much damage the watermelon does but that was that was straight out of i mean Shaun of the dead when they're just yeah. arming themselves with whatever they have right and so they they did a good job of knowing when to show a lot and when to show less and that was that was impressive because like like you said i mean this movie obviously a passion project um it 
I I don't know what the budget was, but according to Wikipedia, it made less than seven hundred thousand dollars in the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they couldn't have assumed it was going to make a ton of money. So you've got to assume you've got to figure that it's got a shoestring budget, and they really used it. I mean, they they squeezed that quarter and made it a dollar, man. Yeah, they they knew what they were doing with all these shots, and they made every single one of them count. Um, John McPhail was the director of this one, and uh, I was kind of looking through some of his other stuff, and uh, I don't really know any of it, but he yeah. definitely kind of he he knew what he was doing when he came through with some of these shots and how they were going to do them. So I think you're right. I think that the gore we got was super effective. I think that we got just enough really gory stuff to satisfy that hardcore zombie movie fan that we are. And it, and, and there was, like I said, I I was going, uh, I was, I was, I was still living off the double bowling ball smash until I got to see Savage gutted. And I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, now I'm good. Now, like it's, we, we have officially checked all like at that point, the only, the only box that wasn't checked was the all is lost scene. And we got that right. (laughs) So they, they, they did some fun, the, the seesaw remarkably creative, yeah. The uh, just just all of it was was so was it was good. I liked it a lot. I thought that it was gory when it needed to be gory and not when it didn't need to be. And I was impressed by that. And and, and inventive, like he said, with the seesaw and the watermelon. I mean, there's certain there's certain things that are old hat, you know. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't mean that I'm not going to watch and I'm not going to enjoy uh, seeing uh, a zombie get taken down by, I don't know, like a crowbar or something. Right. Um, but when I do get to see a zombie be decapitated by a seesaw, I pay attention. Yeah. You know, it's like, how, how often do you see um, a new kill? In a movie, it's yeah. uh, it's very rare because so many of them have been done. You know, the first time someone had a pair of scissors rammed down their throat, uh, which I think might have been torso in uh, in the late seventies or early eighties. Um, that was like, wow, that's fucking crazy. But then they did it again in um, in Halloween two, and they did it again in a couple other movies, and like, yeah, okay, you know, it happens. right? You know, but it's like, you know, how many times have you seen someone get murdered by? garden shears yeah the burning maybe that's it you yeah. know um so anytime you see something that's new that's out there or that simply isn't done very often you don't see very many people murdered by fruit in, <laughs> uh, in, in horror movies and i'm here for it i'm here for the fruit murder yeah right? oh yeah. and um and it's you know we, as as much as we've talked about Shaun of the Dead, you'll never convince me that Nick finding that croquet bat and that becoming his new thing wasn't Isn't, a direct yeah. homage to the fact that they were like, we love Shaun of the Dead, and we we're like, yeah, what if we add music to it, right? <laughs> I mean, like, because he finds that croquet bat and he's kind of he's sitting it and he he decides to put that put down his metal bat and it's like, yeah, okay, I get it, right? You get it, I get it. This is great. Yeah, and 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 I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Uh, another thing I was okay with is uh, the focus of our, our next and final segment before we get into ratings, uh, which is something that I am calling affectionately singing in the raining blood. I love it. Uh, so because good. as a fan of classic Hollywood musicals, like singing in the rain 
and heavy metal bands like Slayer, um, there's nothing I love more than like hard hitting horror and hard hitting music. Yeah. And um, personally, I think that the music in this movie did not disappoint. Every song was a fucking banger. I agreed. Uh, and I like some more than others, uh, but there's not one where I could say, yeah, that was that was the one that I'll skip over when I listen to the soundtrack later. Um, and in fact, today, that's what I did on my on my drive to work and my drive back. I listened to the soundtrack and I didn't skip a single one. Right. Uh, so is how do you feel about the, the music? Do you feel like it fit the um, the movie? Right. Uh, not as a musical, but as like like we've said countless times, a zombie comedy holiday musical. Right. Um, you know, does the music fit? And is there a song that for you is like the standout? So uh, for for very different reasons, two songs really stand out for me. Um, okay. Strictly from a musical standpoint, I think the breakaway was mm -hmm. uh done amazingly yeah you know you when you when you look at music and as songwriting as as storytelling i think that breakaway did so much to establish these characters of john anna and steph very early in the movie i think that it really showcased how well each one of them can sing uh, and that song, like that song gave me chills. Like when that song started playing, that was when I knew I was like, I'm going to listen to this soundtrack. Like right. this is going to be something that, uh, that I'm going to play. Um, they did a really, I always, I'm such a sucker for, for musicals in general, like you. And I love that moment when people that are not in the same space are harmonizing yeah. that you can pull off, <laughs> you know, with the movie. I just, yeah. and it's, it's one of those, it's one of those standout things from a musical that just, that always makes me happy. I love when people in very different places are perfect, are perfectly harmonizing. And the three of them absolutely killed that song. That song was, it was like I said, great for establishing their characters, but it broke my heart for Steph. And, yeah. and, and then you kind of see the full, you, you start to see the full extent of the fact that John is obviously this dude who gets bullied mm -hmm. and stuff during that. And you, you get this idea uh, of Anna just needing to be somewhere else with, because there's so many bad memories tied to this place since this is where her mom died. So, a uh, breakaway I thought was just incredible. And then the one that, <laughs> the one that stands out, it was a, it was a great song, but that stands out strictly because of its place in the movie was um, turning my life around, mm -hmm. which is the song that, uh, that John and Anna are singing when they come out of their house, the day that the apocalypse kind of starts. Yeah. <laughs> Because again, perfect homage to Sean of the Dead. <laughs> yes, and there's they are completely oblivious to everything that is going on. They've got their headphones in. They're singing their song about how this is going to be such a great day, and and they're going to turn their life around. And this is the first time when we actually see the world going to shit around them so that 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 dichotomy of of that song 
with that moment and just how how uplifting that song is while you're watching zombies you know get people out of their houses and the cars just rolling into the street and neither of them have any idea what's going on mm-hmm. by itself it's a fine song but when put into that scene it is raised to an entirely different level because you can enjoy the song but it is just so damn funny that that it is happening in that moment so those are the two for me um so i really like break away i think that might be the best written song i think you hit the nail on the head there um for me though if i had to pick like a favorite um it'd probably be between two um i really like hollywood ending yeah um and Partly because I feel like, and maybe this was an homage to that movie, but um, man, I've never been ashamed before on this show, and um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm ashamed now, uh, but did you ever see High School Musical? I have seen one of the High School Musicals, just the very first one. The very first one. Okay, um, I have unfortunately seen them all um (laughs) and uh although i couldn't tell you anything about that third one um i i do like the first one and the second one um they're guilty pleasures if you will uh they're not the sort of things that i rewatch or anything like that but if someone if i if i go over and my sister has it on i'll watch uh if if i come home and the wife has it on i'll watch um and I'm going to complain because I, I feel like I need to, but I actually do want to sit down and watch. The thing. <laughs> and uh, there's this. Great... Oh, this again. I'm going to better yeah. sit down. <laughs> can't believe, you, I can't buddy. believe you like this shit. Oh, my God. Anyway, I'm going to sit here with tonight, my or... scotch and my cigar. And I'm just going <laughs> to scoff at this. And then on the inside, I'm like, you know, we're breaking free. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's this great cafeteria scene in high school musical um that i i feel like that was an homage to yeah i, I immediately was like oh it's high school musical <laughs> and yeah man and i i think it was like a hard reference to high school musical um in the same way that i really do believe that steph driving up in her car saving them at the end was a reference to mean girls when regina george drives up right or um uh is it a a a cabriolet or something like that i don't know and she's like you know get in losers you know to me that's what that scene was right um and and if you are making a movie that takes place in high school like you have to reference those classics you know uh like i didn't really pick up on any clue or porkies or anything like that but i'm Maybe just, it's just because that was zombie there. dong sticking through a hole in the wall. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Porky's. Sorry. Um, you said dong. And I, I thought you were talking about uh, long duck dong. Oh, from, no. Uh, yeah, no Porky's. Candles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, 16 Candles is another one right there. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I love that that song that number because the i mean it's absurd you know the slamming the the trays down and turning around and you know being all dramatic it, it was it was very very musical to me that's the uh one of the numbers that felt most like a classic hollywood musical right um and uninterestingly 
uh, or unsurprisingly, rather, my second choice is Soldier at War, which also is very Hollywood musical in presentation. Yeah. But the song itself is like a classic 80s, like glam metal song. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I referenced Bon Jovi before. Like, it sounds like Bon Jovi. You know, if if it was John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora, I would not have been surprised. <laughs> and and it's just like it's a really good song, but also like it shows you that bravado that Nick has. Like it's he has this cult that yeah. follows him. Like it's not just that he's so sure of himself that he'll be like, hey, uh, you know, if you want my dick's available you know <laughs> it, it, he's he's not just that level of douche like it, 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 everyone wants to be around this guy right uh for some reason yeah and we all know people like this where you know you hate the guy but the moment that he says like hey you 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 want to you, you want to split a bag of doritos or something you're like yeah no i i, I haven't had takis in years but i'll have some takis with you you know <laughs> it's it, it it's the the strangest thing that guy but and, and nick plays it really really well um so i think that those two for me are are the standout songs i mean there's there's a bunch uh, like I said, I don't think there's a bad song in this playbook, but oh yeah, dude, uh, nothing's gonna stop me now, Malcolm. Uh, mm -hmm. Malcolm's uh, uh, Savage's song. Like I said, I just it was you were talking. It sounds about, like a Sex Pistols. It sounds song. like a Sex Pistols song. Yeah, yeah, it's like how you were saying Soldier at War sounds like a Bon Jovi song, man. I was, and just the way he moves and everything, man. That dude channeled Johnny Rotten. Yeah. Like he was feeling it and it was, it was such, it was so good. And, and like I said, and it was, it was also great because he didn't have an amazing singing voice like everyone else mm -hmm. in this had. And they found a song that showcased what he could do perfectly. Just yeah. like the Sex Pistols, Johnny Rotten's voice was trash. And Sid Vicious too. I mean, when, when your backup guy isn't, you know, the greatest yeah. You do, yeah, and you work with what you have. You work with what you have, and they had this guy who can play the role so perfectly. Can't doesn't sing that well. Great, we're gonna get this dude a song that's gonna make sense. And he had so much fun singing it. He just killed that moment where where you were you were very aware of like we talked about earlier how important power was to him. And then and then he the next song uh, I think give uh, give him a show. Mm -hmm. where it where it's it's kind of a back and forth between him and Anna you know so it was they did a great job of showcasing how different their voices were and that was always really cool it was mm -hmm. we talked I talked at the top about how none of this felt shoehorned in and it didn't feel like they just went and added songs to this movie to make it something different the songs in this movie were a labor of love it's it, when we did Rocky Horror, we talked about how they started with the songs and then built a show around them. You mm -hmm. get that feeling from this movie. Uh, and just the, the, the last one, the, the, uh, the song um, that the girl does about Santa Claus, um, it's that time of year, oh, was, man. oh my God, it was so funny. It was so funny. It was Santa Baby. It was. It was, it it was, was very the, it Santa was, Baby. It was the triple X version of Santa Baby. And it was so funny. And it was so hilarious to then put it in this 
this scene of a high school talent show type thing, especially right after that, that the penguins rapping about fish. Oh man. What a fucking performance. And to see them again at the end of the movie and their yeah. zombies, and I, I was happy to see them again. And it was the first song that played when the credits started rolling. <laughs> it was like that. And that the fact that, that in the same movie, you have this song about fish and you have this song break away shows the fact that this obviously was always going to be a musical from the jump. And there's so much love poured into all of those songs. It just, it, it was, it was so good. And yeah, you're right. We might be the pinpoint of, of where all of these movies overlap, mm-hmm. but if somebody else decides to do it now, man, it's a, it's one hell of a high bar. It absolutely is. And so speaking of how high the bar is, all that's left is for us to rate this thing. And we always like to remind you that on this show, we only rate a movie against itself. So we will not be rating in of the apocalypse against all of the other musical zombie Christmas movies that are just rolling around in your head right now. Or will we? (laughs) You desperately (laughs) want us to compare it to. And so in order to, to rate each movie solely on its own merits, we create a unique rating system for each movie. And for this week, we have decided to go with, out of a possible five, Decapitated Frosty the Snowman's. What do you give Anna and the Apocalypse? You know, I've gone back and forth on this because I have to remember that we're rating a movie against itself and not against anything else. And the logic part of my brain says, that's not right. You give movies like Night of the Living Dead perfect scores. Uh, and we've right. never done we've never done Dying of the Living Dead, but that's my score for it, by the way. <laughs> All right. Um, so how can you give this a five out of five? But we're not doing stars. Right. We're doing Decapitated Frosty the Snowman. And because we're doing Decapitated Frosty the Snowman, I have to give it five, man. I fucking love this movie. I, from the jump, thought, this is a new movie that I have to throw into my rotation. Right. Because it not only feels like a Christmas movie, it feels like a zombie movie and it feels like a musical and it feels like it is 100% all the things that are in there. So these like disparate parts don't add up to a hundred percent. Right. These disparate parts are a hundred percent in themselves. And so this movie ends up being like 400% what it is. That doesn't math, but we don't math here <laughs> on, on, on shiver, a ho ho horror movie podcast. Oh, well played. Uh, so because of that, this movie is 400% awesome. And because of that, this movie is five out of five decapitated frosty the snowman what about you man i can't disagree with a single thing you said and and i think the beauty of the rating system that we do is i don't need this to be as good as day of the dead Mm -hmm. to get five out of five because this movie didn't want to be day of the dead Right. This movie didn't want to be, uh, you know, 28 days later. This movie wanted to be Anna the Apocalypse. And it's so beautifully 
and perfectly and in the apocalypse it's mm-hmm. it every you're right everything in this is done to the nth degree the the songs are really good and the people singing them are excellent mm-hmm. and you know you were talking about amps and guitars earlier you know a good singer can make a bad song great and a bad singer can make a good song terrible yeah. And what we we got good songs sung by good singers. We got just enough special effects that made sense in this movie, just enough violence and gore. It was realistic when it had to be. It was cartoony when it had to be. We got just enough of a story that we that we that we, I was compelled. I wanted them to get there. You know, we get touching moments. We get. There's, you know, when we were talking about characters, we, we didn't even mention uh, Chris and his girlfriend. Yeah. And and, and they, they were get, fantastic. Yeah. And and they get that uh, Lisa, Chris and Lisa. Mm-hmm. And and they were they were great. And they spend the whole movie trying to get back together. And ultimately, you know, now they're together forever. Right. And we get this really. Yeah. It was almost this, poetic. It was. And we get this really this really touching scene where after they're zombies, but their hands just kind of brush and maybe they yeah. kind of grab a little bit. They did all of these things that make it a great zombie movie. Mm-hmm. And they, there was a great villain. And again, reminded that in a situation like this, it's not about surviving the zombies. It's about surviving other people. Mm-hmm. All of these things that are, decades old tropes it did them all well it didn't try to do something spectacularly new in the zombie film genre it tried to do something spectacularly new in the film genre yeah and just creating something like i've never seen before and when i think about all of those things there's no way i can't give this Five out of five, decapitated Frosty the Snowman. It's it was just like I said, it was so perfectly and in the apocalypse. I was left thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, every Christmas now, this is gonna be one that I'm gonna watch, and and I and I'm gonna enjoy it, and I'm gonna listen to the soundtrack, and by the next time I watch it, I'll be singing along as it's on the TV. <laughs> and 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 that's the thing is, I think that the the movie because it doesn't lean so heavy in the gore and because there's nothing overtly uh, sexual about the movie. Either, right. Right. Because, you know, so often, you know, uh, horror movies find, uh, you know, that uh, excitement in, in the nudity and the, um, um, exposing. Right. Everything. Uh, you know, for for better or for worse, uh, it, it kind of almost feels like a family movie. Yeah, because it is so much about families coming together. Um, you know, I uh today was a, about to put it on for my my eight year old, uh, who loves zombie movies. Um, uh, like he is a huge fan of Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Like he loves Dawn of the Dead. Uh, Flyboy is like one of his favorite movie characters. He nice. cries every time he turns into a zombie. Um, you know, uh, I know that he would love this movie. I absolutely know that he would love this movie. Uh, we didn't put it on because um, I had forgotten we were, we'd already started like some 
Studio Ghibli movie from uh, from a couple of years ago. Uh, we started it yesterday, and I forgot about it. He was like, "No, no, no, we got to keep watching Porco Rosso." And uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, oh, okay, nice. you know, it, yeah, you know, you yeah. can't go wrong." No. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Miyazaki? Is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just brilliant. So um, if he ever decided to do a horror movie, you best believe it would be the best fucking horror movie of all time. Yeah, it'd be incredible. Yeah. Uh, so so there you go. Um, and in the apocalypse, it, it's uh, it's perfect. It's yeah. Five out of five decapitated Frosty the Snowman. Um, and that's not all, because next week we'll be back with another maybe christmas classic question mark <laughs> um we, we we like to change it up here we do we we, we like we do we like to keep you on your toes and yeah. uh so sometimes you know sometimes it's one that we know we're gonna love sometimes it's one like this where we're surprised and we love it and yeah sometimes it's santa slay that sometimes we will be doing next santa week slay. with with uh wwe superstar bill goldberg yeah absolutely um <laughs> i um I am going to watch the movie. Um, <laughs> Me too. Yeah, um, and uh, we we have we have a guest lined up for it, uh, a very special guest um, who is very near and dear to the podcast, and uh, hopefully it works out. And uh, and there's uh, there's no cancellations here because uh, I think that he really is the perfect person. Uh, to come on and review this movie. Yeah. So um, just make sure you keep an eye on all of our social medias. Of course, if you head to shiverpod.com, you can find links to everywhere that we are. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all at shiverpod. So if you search mm -hmm. at shiverpod on any of those things, you can find us. Uh, we try to keep our Instagram going with uh, with horror movie memes. We let you know what movie's coming up. We've got, uh, like I said, we've got Santa Slay next week. Then we're going to take a couple weeks off, but we've got something really special for January that we're going to be announcing in a little Very while. Very excited about that. And so make sure you follow us on all of those places at ShiverPod. And, you know, like I, was, I think I said this last week, but if, if, you're, if you're wondering what we might want for Christmas, share an episode, tell a friend, Get the word out there because that's 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 how we uh, we live and breathe. We see those numbers growing, so we know that some of you guys are out there doing it, and we appreciate it. Um, to any of our new listeners, um, I know we've we've picked up a couple people that that um, from on our Instagram been communicating with some uh, some people, and uh, so we appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Absolutely, yeah, and 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 we're we're getting uh, listeners from uh, literally all over the world. Um, you know, we can, we can see this, um, when, um, you know, we, we, we look at our metrics and stuff. And, and so, um, to, uh, to our, our new listeners coming at us from, uh, Pakistan. Hi, welcome. Hot damn. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we, we've got listeners from everywhere, uh, to, uh, our few Australian listeners who are still listening. Um, uh, good day, mate, you know, because it's, uh, <laughs> it's morning over there now. Correct. Um, yeah. So, uh, so happy Christmas to, uh, to all of you, you know, uh, under, under the King's eye as it were. Uh, so on behalf of all of us here at shiver, fright you very much. <laughs>